You're listening to Never Sleeps Network. Hey, it's Bilal Bakani at Bilal V87 on Twitter, and I'm very excited to be joined by TSN's racing analyst for Formula One, IndyCar, or you could just say Autosports. He's also the host of the TSN Racing Pod and a former Champ Car Atlantic driver, Tim Haraney. Timothy, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm good, Bilal. How are you? Good, and I'll refrain from calling you Tim- Timothy over the next 10 minutes. Uh, thank you. Only my mother calls me that. <laughs> it was worth a try. I want to preface this because your specialty, as I mentioned, was F1 and IndyCar. And I recently learned uh, that Formula One is one of the most popular sports in the world. And to put that into context, I want to put it directly against the NHL. So, Tim, I'm going to bury you in numbers. Promise okay. me you won't fall asleep, okay? going to do my best. All right. So, Formula One... On Twitter, 4.3 million followers. The NHL wins that battle at 6.3 million. But get ready, the NHL is going to become like the Toronto Maple Leafs at the end of Babcock's run. They're about to lose a bunch. On Facebook, Formula One has 8.8 million likes or friends or whatever it's likes. Uh, The NHL comes up at 4.6. Lewis Hamilton, the MVP and the champion this year, is at 5.6. On Twitter, 5.6 million, that is. Alexander Ovechkin's at 2.3 million. And the last stat... Mercedes AMG F1, which is a hell of a Twitter handle, has 2.5 million followers. The Capitals, who are just at Capitals, only have 765,000. Granted, it's 0.7, 100,000. So I think that kind of sets up a general sense from social media and in doing some additional research, because I love numbers, Tim. Uh, F1 is broadcast to 200 countries, and it's estimated, and this blew my mind, that they get 500 million viewers per race. Now, in credit to the NHL, when they get to the world championship level, they do get over $700 million, but that's only in one specific tournament. What's hmm. your initial reaction, Tim, when I've just avalanched you in numbers as we're experiencing a snowstorm here in Toronto today? Yeah, the snowstorm is pretty bad. So, actually, could you explain uh, what the tournament uh, portion of that was, like the numbers you were talking about? So, that's the world championship I so, haven't gone deep enough to figure out if that's the Olympics or if that's the World Championship of I, Hockey. I think they no, mean the I, Olympics. I think that's sure. the yeah, that's the Olympics for sure. Yeah, yeah. Wow, those are those are all impressive numbers, like all of them. I mean, the fact that I think F one is probably the second largest viewed uh, sport in the world. Uh, I think it competes. Well, actually, you know what? I think the NBA is like is right up there with Formula One and with um, World Cup soccer. Uh, I think those are probably the three biggest sports in the like globally speaking. Uh, I think for F one, they've actually they've only gotten bigger over the last three seasons when Liberty Media came in, and they kind of uh, tweaked the way that they do things social media and digitally because before Liberty Media owned Formula One they actually uh, they didn't do anything because Bernie Ecclestone couldn't monetize it and F1 uh, well Liberty Media wasn't really interested in in that portion they were interested in growing the sport in that direction because that's where sports are kind of going now I, I mean obviously live events will always be king but in terms of consuming the content and activating uh the brand and things of that nature i think uh i think f1's done a really great job that way i think um the the twitter account well so so you rattled off some uh twitter numbers there 
So I think the, the NHL uh, has been using their social media account for a lot longer than Formula One has. And Formula One actually really didn't start using social media proper until about 2016. Really? Holy crap. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because it was all about, like, Bernie Ecclestone trying to uh, find ways of, like, leveraging it. So, because I think a big thing with him was is that uh, they, broadcasters had spent, or they do spend a lot of money on purchasing the rights for their uh, particular country. Hmm. And so I think, like, what, um, so what, one of the, the big things with that with Bernie was that I think he felt that uh, he was just giving away uh, video content for free. And he wanted people to kind of tune into the races and making sure that the broadcasters were getting their money's worth. Um, now Liberty Media has kind of changed that platform, but at the same time, I think the, the broadcasters are getting, they're, they're probably getting more value out of them doing that as well. I think, I think it all kind of works together when it comes to social media and um, digitally speaking. I mean, obviously, that's got to be the way that you grow your sport from, from here on out, I think, right? You want to tap into a younger generation. In conversation with Tim Haraney, as I mentioned, he's TSN's racing analyst. That's the easiest way to sum it up, but follow him at Tim Haraney. You, you break F1 news, and there's a lot of it. Going back to the broadcast rights, and this is probably an older number, but around $3 billion was spent annually by F1 constructors, which are essentially the teams. Can you give me like just a slight idea of uh, why it's so much money, Tim? Like That's like the cost of the NHL rights deal for like half of what Sportsnet paid a few years ago. So are you speaking about the, the teams and how much the teams uh, spend, or are you talking about how much the broadcasters spend? So, I'm, yeah, I'm talking about the constructors, uh, re, you know, essentially investing $3 billion uh, every, uh, apparently every year into F1, and obviously that's a combined number across the 10 teams. So, you know, we can break that down, but... How is it so much, Tim? Like, how are the teams spending so much money on these 20 cars? Well, I mean, the cars are... Um, there's a lot of technology that is involved in Formula One, first of all. Making these cars uh, takes a long time. To make... Put things into perspective. To make the the 2020 car, which won't be out until the middle of February for testing... Teams usually start building that car back in July of 2019. Jeez. And so you're investing, investing, investing. And you're investing in um, making what you have faster. So that costs money to pour into research and development. Using wind tunnels, uh, testing different philosophies, different products for a company like Mercedes, um, you know, they have a factory uh, that runs pretty much 24 hours a day, seven days a week uh, for their Formula One team. They employ over 2,000 people. Uh, they have rotating staff. And then on top of that, they also have to uh, ship all of their equipment everywhere. They have to fly their team uh, places. They have to spend money on the drivers. They have to, so they have to spend money on hospitality and so all of that tends to kind of add up at the end of the year, right? I mean, 
Um, there are teams who spend way less. You know, you go down to a team like Haas, and you know they're lucky if they're spending a hundred million a year. Wow. Um, yeah. Tim, before because I, I only usually do these for ten minutes, and we're at eight, so we'll, we'll go through a couple of season things for <laughs> F1, and maybe we'll pick this up another time because the season just ended. I uh, just you know caught, I'm catching up on my DVR, so forgive me. So I just caught up on the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. Uh, one of the things I noticed was I think Sebastian Vettel, I don't know the exact number, but he was down about 100 points versus last season in terms of his individual points total for the season. Uh, certainly Charles Leclerc has really established himself as maybe a future star of the sport. Are, are you as shocked as I am that Vettel has dropped off this much in one season? Uh, yeah, you know what? I think I am, and I think a big part of it has to do with what happened at the Canadian Grand Prix, and mm-hmm. I think... Um, I think that kind of dampened his spirits a bit, getting a getting a penalty mid race when he was leading, and having his having his win taken away from him. And I think it just took a while for him to kind of start to to bounce back. I mean, we've seen flashes of it throughout the season, uh, but in all honesty, you know, Charles Leclerc is that guy is unbelievable. He's he's yeah. superstar, right? I mean. This is uh, the next wave or the next evolution of young drivers that are coming through are pretty spectacular. Guys like Max Verstappen and, and Charles Leclerc and Lando Norris, and you've got guys like George Russell, and now you've got Canadian Nicholas Latifi and all these young, uh, talented drivers uh, coming into F1 or putting a lot of pressure on these veteran drivers like the Lewis Hamiltons and uh, the Sebastian Vettels. And I think uh, for Sebastian Vettel, I think, I think Leclerc gave him everything he could handle this year. Yeah, and then some. Uh, Robert Kubitska and uh, Nico Hulkenberg, Nico Hulkenberg, easy for me to say, uh, are both uh, essentially at this point they're not coming back. Uh, I think with Nico there's a possibility down the road, but with Kubitska his career is probably done. Mm-hmm. You sort of alluded to some of the new drivers will be seen, and there's not a lot of movement. I think there's only really two seats that are flipping over. Um, but in my final question, what, what do you expect from those two new drivers next season? And what can you tell us now uh, as we get towards, uh, as I count down, I think 104 days till the start of the next season? Oh, see, look at that. You're, you're, already, uh, you're already excited, see? I like that. Yeah. I have that well, right on the top of my head. Out of point. Well, uh, as for the two drivers that are going to be coming in, so Esteban Ocon, who's going to be uh, filling in or, or taking Nico Hulkenberg's seat at Renault, Esteban Ocon raced in, in Formula One, uh, you know, back in, in 2018 and, and 2017. And um, he was with a, a team called Force India. Uh, and what happened was that team went into bankruptcy, was bought up by um, Canadian investors. Uh, they saved the team, rebranded it, and added Lance Stroll, where Ocon was then left without a seat because they kept Sergio Perez. But Ocon was also a Mercedes-backed driver. So I think that, in theory, what Mercedes had planned for Ocon was once he was out of Force India, they signed him up to be their reserve driver and to have him replace Valtteri Bottas. But I think during the season, Bottas really started to impress the team. And so they decided to re-sign Bottas for another season. As for Ocon, I think he just got really frustrated with having to sit in the shadows and test and, you know, tweak this car and help Lewis Hamilton and Bottas win races, he would rather go and win races on his own. So Renault had noticed this and uh, they offered him a contract. He separated from Mercedes and now he's going to be with Renault. As for Williams, 
Williams had um, brought Robert Kubica in for a season. That was part of the deal. They weren't too sure what they were going to get from him. And I don't think Robert Kubica uh, knew what he was going to get from the team and also from what is left of his racing career. He was very much off the pace at the start of the season, started to close the gap to to his teammate George Russell uh, towards the end. But again, I don't think... I don't think he was expecting uh, these cars to be that as difficult as they are to drive. You have to remember that Robert Kubica was in Formula One a long time ago, and he was one of those rising stars until he had a really gruesome um, rallying incident, and that kind of uh, put his racing career on hold, and this was kind of supposed to be a bit of a comeback uh, for him. Uh, But I don't think that Things were working out for him at Williams in particular, so he decided that this was going to be his last year, and that made way for a young Canadian driver named Nicholas Latifi, who is the reserve driver uh, for Williams. He was racing in Formula 2 this season. He was leading the championship for a while. Uh, He had four wins. Uh, He was tied with the most wins uh, this season uh, in Formula 2. He finished second in the championship i mean it was just it only made sense to 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 bring him in and to have him part of the team so uh he starts testing with the team on wednesday and uh yeah so i guess if you're listening to this and you're a canadian uh racing fan i mean it's a it's a good time to be a canadian racing fan that's for sure well it's a good time to follow you tim on twitter at tim haraney because uh i'm about to stop talking about this for those 104 days basically and you're going to continue to cover this. You're TSN's racing analyst, and it's not just F1. You're also got you also got an eye to IndyCar, and you're the guy, Tim. So I, I refer everyone keep an eye on Tim Haraney. Uh, spell out the whole Haraney part because I always struggle with it. Uh, oh so yeah, they can yeah. Find you. yeah, it's a tough one. It's H A U R A N E Y. See, I had it written down, but it sounds better with you saying it. Tim, always a pleasure. Um, keep us posted as, as F1 continues to go, and, um, you know, we'll get bigger and better as we go. Will do. Thanks, pal. Never Sleeps Network. This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com. 